Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message. I'm Ben, that's Mark, and we are excited that you're here. Whether you're catching this live or if you're watching this later on in the week, thanks so much for joining us. We really do hope this this podcast helps challenge and encourage you. Um, We've got a lot to kind of walk through. We've got some questions that we've got today. Mark has graciously joined us once again. And before I kind of give him, like allow him to introduce himself, not that he couldn't now, like he could just start talking and I couldn't say anything. Um, Well, I could, it just looked weird because we're live. Um, (laughs) uh, Before I kind of turn it over to him as I start to play a little bit with our online features, um, I do want to remind everybody that if you were watching this live, we are recording this on November 30th, but we are pretty excited on December 3rd, that is the first Friday of December, Oxford Main Street Incorporated is doing what they call First Friday. Basically, they've invited us as a church with our worship team to show up to First Friday. It's basically an event that they try and get people to come out to to support the town of Oxford. They are going to be doing their tree lighting and basically we'll be singing Silent Night. They've invited the worship team to sing kind of a worship set and we get the opportunity to just simply show up in Oxford to sing about Jesus and to be kind of rubbing shoulders with our neighbors. So we're pretty excited for that. We would love for have to have you be a part of that. Their event goes from 5 to 8 p.m. Our set probably goes from about 5.30, maybe 5.45, till about 6.15, 6.30-ish. Tree lighting is at 6. Silent Night is just after that. Um, and then we'll probably even do another set later on that evening. But we would love to have you there if you can make it. If you have questions, by all means, let us know. But I'm going to turn it over to you as I play with this. Sweet. Uh, yeah. Um, as Ben said, my name is Mark. I'm uh, actually a pastor at... On Beale Baptist on 896, and I actually was like attending COC for a good amount of my uh, yeah, man. We, Christian we life. go way back, yeah, way back, way back. Um, but yeah, so another announcement that I've been given the blessing to give <laughs> is that COC is looking for a children's ministry administrator, yeah. Um, so Megan Fizer, yeah, that's my wife. Um, this is why he got the announcement because, yeah, yeah, you know, um. She is, I, I don't know what the word is, like, kind of like got She's most, the director. She's the... Is that what you're looking for? That's not the word no, you were no, looking for No, she's the director, but like, she got more responsibility. She's your boss. Yeah. She'll be, she, she'll basically be the boss. No, of, I was saying she's your boss. Oh, she is my boss, too. <laughs> that, too. Um, but she's now the Children's and Family Ministry Director, correct? correct. Right. You got awesome. it, dude. Maybe that was a yeah. little unfair. Like, I'm. you have to... Well, it's your wife, so... Yeah. That's, I, I don't like, know if that... I Like, to me, titles. like, I don't know if that ever got official, but I don't know. It's official. It's official. It's official. Um, but anyway, so she will be, like, kind of, like, doing the vision and all that stuff, but then this position, the Children's Ministry Administrator, will be giving, like, more, like, the administrative task stuff yeah. of the ministry. Yeah. So, and that's full-time. It is a full-time position. And yeah. still looking. Yep. So you can play on Indeed or go to the CLC Family website, website yep. so and look there as yeah. well. If you go to clcfamily.church, I think even slash jobs, you can see that posting there. So it is a full-time position. If you're interested or you know somebody that would be interested that has that gifting and the ability, we would say, hey, check it out, yeah. apply, and yeah, it would yeah. be great. So yeah. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Like I said, Mark and I go way back. So uh, I was actually, when I was a youth pastor here, Mark was one of the students. And now I'm so proud. My baby boy's all grown up. He's married and he's doing his own thing. And I'm a youth pastor now. Yeah, he's a youth pastor, man. He's following this guy's footsteps. It's so beautiful. Anyway, 
Um, for those of you just tuning in, I'm sorry for all of that that you just said. <laughs> Uh, like I said, we are so glad that you're joining us today. I had the opportunity to communicate on Sunday. Basically, where we are is that we have, for over the last year, we've been working through the book of Luke. We've done a lot of different sub-series as we go through the book of Luke, really to try and keep people engaged so that we remember where we are. We just wrapped up on Sunday a sub-series that we were calling Parables, kind of, because after some of the parables that we had looked at just a couple weeks ago, there was a few additional teachings that were a little bit random. Um, that They were just kind of random teachings. They were kind of like parables, but they kind of weren't. So that's why we called it parables, kind of. So we just wrapped that up on Sunday. I'm excited to kind of give an overview. We do have a question, like I said. I do want to remind you, if you are watching us live, we encourage you to jump online any of our four different platforms. Uh, that's YouTube, that's Twitch, that's Facebook, and then also our website, CLC Family. Dot church. If you go to the Watch Live tab, it'll bring you to our online platform. You're welcome to ask any questions that you have there. I know that Mark has got some questions, some thoughts that we're going to kind of work through, we're excited for. But yeah, we always encourage you, if you have some questions and thoughts, we'd love to have it. We'll go for about an hour, maybe a little less. We'll, we'll yeah. see just kind of how the conversation goes. When we're done, we're done. Yeah. And yeah. So, Sounds good to me. So as an overview, what we basically were doing is we were in the middle of chapter 17 of the book of Luke. Like I said, parables kind of. We get to this teaching where, and it seems like Luke kind of after, uh, it's really after chapter 16 of Luke, he moves from kind of talking about some parables to these almost random collection of different teachings. And really what he's doing, and we're going to see this through kind of 17, um, 18, 19, and then even a little bit into 20, where he's just kind of giving some random teachings, additional teachings of Jesus as Jesus is still traveling and ministering. So he's kind of in what I said on Sunday, he's kind of in the middle of this road trip. In fact, in January, that's what we're going to call our sub-series road trip because Jesus is traveling from town to town, place to place, and he's ministering, he's teaching about the kingdom of God. And we're also seeing kind of this collision between the uh, religious elite and Jesus as well. So there's a lot of different things happening, but specifically in 17 verses 11 through 19, which is where we're at, we see the story of Jesus healing 10 lepers. And we'll probably get into this a little bit more deeper as we kind of continue this. But Jesus heals these 10 lepers. And kind of long story short is basically only one of them returns back to Jesus to thank him and to praise him for what he did. And <clears throat> I think there's a lot of different reasons. Like I said, we'll probably dive a little bit more into this just through questions and through uh, conversations um, that we're planning on having here. But what's amazing in this is that the last verse that as Jesus kind of sees this one leper that returns, he's a Samaritan. And, Ju and Luke does this intentionally where he kind of emphasizes the faith of these Gentiles. The Jews were God's chosen people. We assume that out of these 10 lepers, the nine that didn't return were Jews. Um, but this one Samaritan who's outside of the faith, who is not really a part of the Christian faith, who's a Gentile that isn't a Jew, he returns back to thank Jesus. And because of that, Jesus says, you are made well. And that word well means um, to be made right. Basically, this idea of, of salvation has come to him. And we'll probably get to that word a little bit later on. But it's a pretty incredible story where I feel like what, what Luke is emphasizing, what I feel like Jesus is teaching really for us, and it came at such a timely 
point in this series is that really I think that we as believers need to live our lives with gratitude. And that's what we kind of see through this story. It's just so fitting that it's it's literally the Sunday right after Thanksgiving. So Thursday we spent all day hopefully celebrating and kind of being thankful and eating seeing friends food. and family eating so much food. Um, and hopefully we were mindful of what God has done and started to think about the things that we're grateful for. And then it just was so appropriate and fitting the way that it fell and landed was that we were able to talk about this passage that Sunday after Thanksgiving. So that's kind of in a nutshell, what we talked about on Sunday. Um, yeah, and we do have some questions, but I don't know, should we go to the questions first or you want to jump in? Do you have any thoughts? What do you think? Let's do the questions first. All right, let's do these questions. So one of our listeners sent in uh, a couple different questions. And this, um, whenever we do this, sometimes we'll go through the passage verse by verse. Sometimes we'll just go through questions. And then, like today, we just kind of let the conversation flow. Wherever it goes, it kind of goes. I love the uh, ability to do kind of a long podcast forum with two people. Because what happens is when you're up on stage... There's a lot that I can potentially forget or can potentially miss or I didn't explain it very well. But having somebody there kind of just to even interject and ask some questions kind of breaks the train of thought. And that conversation, uh, I hope, and hopefully this is why you tune in, is beneficial. So we're excited for that. So this is one of our listeners. They said this. Good morning, Ben. Uh, the scripture that we covered this Sunday, I can't help but revisit a couple, a couple things. Number one, out of the 10... Uh, that went back to thank Jesus. I can't help but believe that there was much more uh, to this. The one went back and threw himself at the feet of Jesus. His gesture had to be one that says much about the relationship than what is uh, stated. It is also said a lot about the other nine who accepted the word of the priests to be the final say in their healing. My thoughts. So basically, as this one leper comes back, he says he kind of throws himself down before Jesus. And I, really, I, as I studied it, there wasn't really much emphasis put on the fact that he threw himself below um, kind of this, this teacher, Jesus. He throws himself kind of at the feet. This would have been a sign of submission and a sign of humility of just kind of looking at this person in a way that they would be more honored than they, that they would even be royalty, if you will. So this kind of laying before him was a sign of submission to him. And I think it was just a sign of the gratitude that he showed. So I don't know if there's all that much there. And then these other nine, I, I do think, I said this on Sunday, but I do think that if you were to ask them, I think that they would have said that they were grateful for what Jesus had done. And, and this is where I feel like it kind of got into the application for us is that I think this idea of not being uh, this ingratitude is very hard to see, right? Like when we are not grateful we think that we are. And I think the, what we were talking about on Sunday was that going unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. It's not that I think that these nine lepers weren't thankful because if we could ask them, I think that they would go like, no, I am so thankful. I can finally go back to the synagogue. I can finally join my family. I can potentially go back to work. I can, you know, do all of these things. But the problem was, is that they never expressed that gratitude. This one did. He expressed that gratitude by falling at his feet, by praising Jesus. And I think praise is, is another way that we have the opportunity to, to kind of thank God for who he is, for what he's done. And it's the blessings, I said this on Sunday, the blessings that we have, it either turns to praise or it turns to pride. And so everything that we receive that is good, 
we need to do a good job of making sure that we praise God for it. Because if it doesn't turn to praise, it turns to pride and more of an entitlement. Like I deserve this because of X, Y, and Z. So I think I would say that that's kind of how I would classify that, that distinction there between the one who throws himself down. Uh, I didn't really find all that much about more significant to the fact that he threw himself down. But I do think that that can impact in a different way. So as you're listening to that, that might have a, a little bit more significance for you as it, as we kind of work through that. And then the other question this here, it says, when Jesus asked, where were the other nine? Is it more of a question of relational, geographical, or spiritual location? It is obvious the one who returned to Jesus was there, was where he was supposed to be. And then my thoughts on that. And uh, I think that even that, I'm not, here's how I would answer that. And I'm not sure if this is entirely correct. I'm not sure if it's a question of relational, geographical, or spiritual location. I think what is implied in this is that Jesus is, is making a comment of going, where are the other nine? Like there is an awe and amazement that this Gentile returned back. So it's, I, I don't think it's kind of like a, you know, is it relational, geographical, or spiritual? I'm not sure if that's what it is, but uh, in fact, in my notes somewhere, let's see if I can find it quick. Um, that word that he uses there, that, that idea of this Gentile um, kind of returning back is one that shows awe. Um, of course, I can never find anything when I'm looking <laughs> for it. So, uh, nope, that's not it. But there is somewhere. I don't think I can find it. Well, I'll probably find it in 10 minutes from now. So maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll circle back uh, to that. So um, actually, here's where I say that. So it's verse 17 and 18. It says, and Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Was, uh, was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? Um this is what my note said. It said, the end of 16 says that the one leper returns uh, when a Samaritan, and it's pointed out again, verse 18, it calls him stranger. This alien literally is how it's defined of another race. The language is that of wonder and admiration, as is expressly said of another exhibition of Gentile faith. So I'm not sure. It's a great question. I think that you could probably interpret it a lot of different ways. It could mean Jesus is asking where are the other nine relationally. It could mean where are they spiritually, where are they geographically. But I think more than anything, Jesus is pointing out, and so is Luke by writing this and recording this, he is looking at this great example of faith from this one. Yeah. Because he was the one that expressed it. While the other nine, I believe, probably were grateful and thankful, they didn't express it. So therefore, it didn't exist. But this one that did express it was made well both physically, but then also made well spiritually. Yeah. I also like to add to that. I yeah, think, go for it, dude. Like just the simple question of saying, like, well, where are they? Yeah. Is also just him simply saying, like, well, they ain't here. So, like, yeah. what, like to answer, like, whether it's relationally, spiritually, geographically, yeah. either either way, they weren't with Jesus. Yeah. And either I, way. And I do wonder, like this was one of my first thoughts of going, what, I wonder what that looked like. Because if Jesus is passing through an area, I doubt that his, like where he's ending up is where these lepers were, right? So outside of the camp, outside of the city, they're, they're not where the general public would be. 
I'm assuming that this is Jesus traveling somewhere. So did the lepers think, well, he was traveling, so there's no way that we'll catch back up to him. I don't know. I don't think that that's a reason that they shouldn't try and find him. Obviously, this one one was able to find him. But I, I feel like for me, there's other questions there of going, man, did they think that they just wouldn't be able to catch up? Maybe by the time that they had seen the priest and maybe by the time that they had given the sacrifice that was required, maybe it was a couple hours later and they're like, oh, we'll never find him. Who knows? But the what we do see is this incredible example of this Samaritan, this Gentile, who if it was a couple hours later, he still found Jesus. And he expressed his thanks by throwing himself on the ground, by praising Jesus, And by thanking him. And I think that that's the example that we need to try and be and what we need to try and do within our lives. So I think those were two great questions. Um, And always encourage you to submit your questions if you have anything. Just going to jump onto our different platforms, see if there's any questions there or anybody's joining us. I will say, if you are joining us, even if you don't have a question, say hey in the chat so we can say hi to you. So uh, no worries if you want to do that or not. Some some weeks we just don't have anybody joining us and some weeks we do. So yeah. Hey, sweet. Then my... Yeah, my, dude, go for it, man. My first question is... He's just, got a long list here, so I'm, I, li- I want to kind of look over. I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, I'm not that nervous, but... And, uh, the, it's kind of like uh, the question I asked last time I was with you. Sure. Um, it's just like, as we prepare for messages, sure. there's a whole lot of study notes that sure. we are not always able to say on stage. So what yeah. are some of the stuff that you have found that you find interesting that you kind of wish that you you have been able to... State, but I, not. I don't. But <laughs> so I don't know if I should admit it. But well, I did talk about this on Sunday. But I did such a deep dive into different skin diseases. It was weird and slightly <laughs> disgusting. Like, but the more like I dove into it, the more I was like, I kept going down this rabbit you keep hole. Going like, deeper. I literally at one point because I, I had limited time. I was I was trying to visit with family in Rhode Island. Um, as some of you may or may not know, my dad um, is battling cancer. So I really didn't want to cheat time from him uh, by working on a, a sermon the entire time. So I really wanted to try and balance well this sermon prep, but that. And at one point, I literally like just like looked up from my computer and like, what am I doing? I am researching scabies way too much. Like it does not matter. And I'm like, man, I could tell you about scabies, how it's like these, I don't even know if I should, it's so disgusting, but like they burrow into the first layer of skin and that's where they like lay eggs. And so it is very highly contagious and it's pretty common. Like, but I was looking up so many different things. There was even, (laughs) there was even ones that I had never heard of. Like there was, uh, I forget what it was called. Um, It's something within children that is um, uh, uh, impetigo. Uh, That's what it is, where like there is this breakout and it's like, so I was doing such a deep dive into leprosy. I was like looking at the World Health Organization, the CDC. I was going on Wikipedia. I was doing such a deep dive that I was going, why am I doing this? <laughs> Like why? But it was fascinating to me, and I feel like there's always something yeah. that, as I'm researching it and as I'm reading it, there's always something that I find amazing. And and for me, what I think I found amazing is is really that goes back to trying to understand Exodus 13, or excuse me, Leviticus 13, because there is a lot of information there. It, like if you're looking for kind of the the deeper next step, try reading Leviticus 13 and try interpreting it because. And my wife had a kind of a similar question of going, well, if a priest was to examine people with skin disease, what did doctors do? Because Luke, who is a physician, 
what how what's the difference between a doctor and what's the difference between a priest which i think is a great question yeah. and i think that yeah. when we read this god gave these commandments to the Israelites just after they left Egypt, right? So I'm not sure, one, how many profession, uh, like how many Egyptians would have been trained and studied as doctors. I'm not sure if that position really existed. So that priest might have been kind of this doctor or somebody that was um, trying to understand. But also, there was also this level of, by the time we get to the New Testament, somebody like Luke, who's got training in that, he's focused on the health of the patient, where the the priest is focused on the ceremonial cleanliness. Yeah. He's focused on the religious aspect. And the whole idea of Leviticus 13 and this idea of being unclean was that they did not want to defile the things of God, that God was holy and he was set apart and he was perfect. And so as we see some of these crazy laws, because there's even some laws about like mold on belts and then becoming unclean and what you have to do, like I'm yeah. pretty sure if I remember correctly, that's in Leviticus 13 as well. Like what you need to do if there's mold on on animal skin like camel or belt or like uh, there's some crazy stuff there but they were focused on this idea that they did not want to defile the things of God the perfect image the perfect perfect God himself they did not want to defile with things that were obviously unclean yeah. things that w didn't represent God and his perfection but the things that were representative of the fall of man of sin entering the world of skin diseases and parasites and all of these different things so there was very much a difference between what the priest would focus on and what the doctor would focus yeah. on the doctors focus on getting them well and I even am curious I'm sure by the time we see the the Romans kind of take over or the Greeks and then the Romans I'm sure that education is is more formalized and that's where we see that Luke Luke is a trained physician, but I'm not sure back when the Israelites first came out of Egypt, maybe they did have doctors, maybe they didn't. I, I'm not really sure. That's just kind of speculation on my part. So yeah, I, I feel like that was, I spent way too much time <laughs> focusing on Leviticus 13 specifically and trying to interpret it because in it, it tells the priest how to identify and examine. There's things like if the hair is white, um, then you're like unclean. There's like, if it's an open sore, yeah. you're unclean. But if it's, if it's only skin deep, you wouldn't be unclean. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure. I feel like I've read two different things. Eczema, which is just kind of a, an itchy skin thing like that. I'm, I think one commentary said that you wouldn't be unclean. And then the other one said you would. So like, <laughs> I don't even know, but I was just trying to have a good understanding of what was clean and unclean and yeah. understanding this idea of leprosy because yeah. we don't understand it all that much. We, yeah. we don't really know, at least myself as an American, I don't understand it, but they would have had a, had a very good understanding. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, or at least definitely like the Pharisees or the priests would definitely have at least been like, okay, yeah. This good, this bad. Yeah. This unclean, this is clean. Yeah. And like the Jewish people would have at least known yes. that. Yeah. And, and not in scriptural maybe, but like at least among the people it was common knowledge. Yes. And and I think that is important too, right? Like so I, I just referenced, told everybody to go and read Leviticus 13 if you want a deeper understanding. Well, in an oral tradition, they didn't have the ability to go read Leviticus 13, right? Like this was an oral tradition. It was passed down to them by word of mouth. So for them, they either knew it or they didn't. And so 
who would be more of an expert in the law? Well, it would be a, a Levite, somebody that is trained and is that that priest who studies it, that has better access to it, that could actually read it. So I think that that is important for us. What we take for granted was for them something that even if they could could have access to it, they might have been illiterate and they maybe couldn't read. Like there's so many different things that kind of play into that we read within our culture and our, our understanding of things that may not have been back the way that it was. Yeah, like the most likely not every Jewish, like in the New Testament and Old Testament, it's not like everyone would have had like the Torah like, yeah, uh, right. in their homes. Like we, like most Americans probably have like five different Bibles in yeah. their homes. But like <laughs> right. back then, like all it of was, which we don't read. Yes, right? all, <laughs> all of which we don't read. Um, yeah. That's but, not a good thing. That was, yeah. that was kind of a diss. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> we... But either way, like, yeah, they would not have had access, yeah. like you said. It really would have only been for, like, yeah. the Levites, for the priests, for the Pharisees. Yeah, and and a good Jewish boy, right? Like, so the way that it would work is that they would study the Torah up until the time of 12. They would go to, I believe, correct, if I remember correctly, they would go to the house of book is, I think, if I, I'm thinking of the manners and customs or the new manners and customs of biblical times. I think that it's the house of book or the house of learning. It was something like that, that where, where they would go and they would learn basically from age five to 12, they would try and be taught the Torah. And then when they got to the age of 12, they would be tested on those first five books of the Bible. And if they were really good, if they excelled and they had did a great job of understanding the, the scripture and they passed that test well, then they could work to become a Pharisee or a religious leader. We say Pharisee has got a negative connotation, but for a Jewish person, that would be the goal. Like they mm-hmm. want to be in service of the God of the universe, right? Like uh, of Yahweh. So that would be their goal. But if they didn't, at age 12, they stopped studying and then they learned the craft of their father. So we're talking about like 12-year-old kids going, okay, the majority of them didn't make it. They just went and learned a craft. So after that, they might, I mean, it's what they could remember and retain from age 5 to 12. And then probably in part, how well that that teacher did at the house of learning or the house of the book and what they did. So anyway, that was kind of a random tangent there. So thanks for sticking with it. <laughs> um, okay, so cool, cool, cool. Let, next um, question is, so it's a, stay, stay with me here. Sure, go for it. So man. we see um, in this passage, 10 lepers get healed. Yeah. Oh, they get healed, but only one returns. Yeah. Um, then we also had like the show parable. Like, sure. That four different seeds, yep. but only one has like sure. produces fruit. Sure. So we see like Jesus actually like like a handful of times will do these like either these moments or these parables or these stories or or whatnot where like a small percentage sure. of it sure. of the people actually yeah. come back to him or like actually produce fruit. Yeah. So why do you think Jesus keeps telling these types of stories or mm, having these question. moments um, where only a small amount of the whole come back to him and produce fruit? Like, so why yeah, do you I think, think that's a great question, dude. Yeah, I, I think that I really do think that that's a great question. So what we see in the parable of the sower is is only like a twenty five percent return, yeah. right? Like if if the sower is scattering the seed and he lists four different things, it's it's only a twenty five percent return. Yeah. And now if we're looking at the ten lepers, now it's, it's even less. Now it's, it's 10%, a ten percent yeah. return, right? Like, and I think 
I, this is just me taking a stab at this. Like, I don't think I have any biblical proof, but I think that I, you can look at the world. I think the reality is, is that, I, I think the truth is, is that not, not everyone wants to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think that that's what we've seen week after week after week with these Pharisees, is that they, there was a religious order and a set way of doing things. And it was very clear that they wanted the gifts of God without wanting God himself, yeah. right? Like, so that's what we see these. And again, I'm not trying to say that these, these nine lepers weren't thankful. I think that they were, but they just wanted the things that would benefit them and not actually to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Like, I think that's ultimately what we see is that this one that returns is so filled with gratitude that he would fall at Jesus's feet and praise him and worship him and probably on some level be looking to follow him, to be a disciple of his. Like what that guy has, I want. Yet these other nine were going, nope, I've got what I want. I can return back to family. I can return to synagogue. I can return to my workplace. So I think the reality is, is that the world that we live in, there is some people that just will not accept Christ as Lord and Savior, that they're I think that you can boil it down and say maybe it's their pride that they don't want to receive that, that they want to do what their plan is and that they want to do, uh, you know, live life without Jesus. And and then when we get to, you know, when we one day when we die, when we face judgment, then they see and reap the, the results of that choice. So I think that that's really what we're seeing. I think that this on some level is almost a continuation of this You see the Pharisees where Jesus is kind of teaching against the Pharisees and the Pharisees and their pride and their stubbornness don't want it. I think that this is maybe a little bit more subtle teaching, but we see the same thing, that these nine, while they were probably grateful and thankful, they were grateful that they could return back to what they knew or what they wanted and not necessarily wanting to return and to follow Jesus and to change the way that they live their life. So I think that it's an illustration for us of going, are we the type of believer that wants to just receive the gifts of God? Because I think if I'm being a little bit harsh on America, I think that we love to identify as a Christian state, right? We just want to say that we are Christians. Well, we don't read our Bible and we don't go to church and we don't like follow Jesus. We don't really follow his word but we're still Christian. Well, I think that that's, is that really, is that just wanting the blessing of God without wanting God himself? And I think that that's probably what's illustrated in this. So I think that that's a great question of going, why do we see such a a smaller return? Because I think the reality is, is that God gives men, men and women the choice. We have free will and God does not, God does not overpower your will and your desire. He is uh, the perfect, uh, you know, he's, he's God. So he's not, a, he's not human. So it's not, he's not male or female, but he's the perfect gentleman in the sense that he's not going to force himself uh, for you to accept him as Lord and Savior. You get to make that choice and then you have to live with that choice if you don't choose that before entering into eternity. So. I think that's a great yeah. question, dude. Yeah, that that was a good, uh, good um, answer. Thanks, today. thanks. Yes. Would you tell if it was bad? Would you tell everybody? But like, hey guys, that was a terrible answer. Let me correct I think, that. I think I would. Would you? I think I would. <laughs> Just because, like, so, but not. I think you not, would do it politely. You'd I would do like, it politely. Well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be mean about it. Yeah, yeah. But not, not for the, not for them. Just because I feel like we're close enough that I'd be like, well, I, I don't gotcha. know about that. I gotcha, and I appreciate that. It'd be more of a conversation than me like, yo, wrong. <laughs> You suck. Like, you I'm like, teach well, what about this? Yeah. 
Better. No, I I appreciate that answer though. In, in yeah. all honesty, that's a good uh, question though. I, I appreciate yeah. the question, dude. Yeah. So this next question, actually, this is probably like uh, one of those questions that I will ask Megan, and she okay. just gets annoyed with me because like, why do you care? So are you, so are you? Should I get annoyed at you? Would that be the appropriate response? Or I'll be used to it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, bring uh, it on, man. Let's hear it. The um, where do you think? So you said this is a. Uh, Luke makes clear that this is a Samaritan. Yes. So yep. where do you think this is, like, with this story, with this moment in history, where do you think this aligns with the woman at the well, the Samaritan at the well? What do you mean aligns with? Like, like how it um, connects? Oh, like, let me say that. Um, like, do you think the woman at the well happened first? Or, like, oh, do you okay. think this happened first? Because, like, uh, I feel like how the disciples will be viewing this will, might be... Like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, sure, okay. I think, you know, that's a great question. I didn't directly look. Yeah. If I, I think the woman at the well has already happened. Like, and part of what we see, I mentioned this, like, so at the beginning of verse 11, it says Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Yeah. The reality is that Jesus had come and gone to Jerusalem multiple times, right? It wasn't like he only went to Jerusalem once and that was just to give his life. No, it's probably a yearly pilgrimage to the temple yeah. to to do what any Jewish male was supposed to do to offer sacrifices the day of atonement like so he's been to there but when Luke writes that and emphasizes that he what he's emphasizing is that Jesus is on his way to the cross like Luke is writing already knowing what has happened that Jesus ultimately going to Jerusalem was his mission was his purpose so by saying that he's on his way to Jerusalem he's making his way there I believe that the the woman at the well has already happened. Like, I think that we are inching closer and closer to Jesus and his final destination of Jerusalem, where I would wonder or speculate or think, and I could be wrong here, so uh, don't take this as, you know, 100% truth. I could be wrong. But I think that this has already happened. Maybe in one of those other pilgrimages where he's going back and forth to Jerusalem where he's passing through Samaria, because if I remember correctly, he was passing through Samaria when he has this encounter with the woman. So uh, I think that it's already happened. But I think, again, Luke, uh, I think it all boils back down to Luke as he's writing this He is most likely, it's a Gentile, it's Theophilus, this Roman official we believe. He is writing to a Gentile. Well, if this Gentile has received Christ, he's obviously going to perk up a little bit more when Jesus' ministry pertains to people just like him. So as Luke is making an emphasis that this Samaritan, this Gentile, this person outside of the faith, just like the woman at the well, Jesus is showing and modeling that the kingdom of God is not just for the Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles. So I think that in my, you know, I, I didn't research directly that story to yeah. this one, but I would imagine that this has already happened. Yeah. Um, I think in part, is that what? Is That's that chapter Luke? four in John yeah. with the woman in the well. Yeah, what is that? Is that in Luke as well? Let me see if I can pull that I up. Think, I think that's just a John story. Is it? I think so, but I could be wrong. Like, don't quote me on it, but I think it's just one of those, like, how the wedding at Cana is just a John story. All right, I'm going to try and look that up. I'm not sure if I'll, yeah, John 4. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I could be wrong with that. So don't take my word, like, as the uh, ultimate knowledge of that. I'm not sure. So it is definitely in John 4. Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. Mm. You know, I, I, the reason, reason I just asked us, which, which um, it was just because I, because with how the 
disciples reacted to Jesus the yeah. foot at, at the one in the well, yeah. like how dare you type yeah. of thing. But like, so it's like, well, we really don't get the disciples' reaction here. So it's like, well, maybe they're just like, oh yeah, we're just used to this. Like, it's, it's probably his ministry. So it's yeah, like, now it's just like. Yeah, at this point, maybe they're not yeah. so surprised. Like, yeah, Jesus does, talks to everybody. But I, I do think that even as Luke, like, what we know is that the leper was the outcast. But I feel like every week for the last, like, four or five times that I've preached, I've talked about some form of an outcast, right? Like, women were not appreciated the way that we we should be appreciating women today. Like, they were just second-rate citizens. Well, sinners were the same way. Tax collectors were the same way. We've talked about shepherds the same way. Like, it almost seems like everybody was an outcast unless you were a Jew, right? Like, so... And even then, you were a Pharisee Jew, basically. Yeah, right. So if you were a Jew that had some type of a skin condition, well, you clearly weren't yeah. God's favorite. Like, yeah. so it was almost like... All of these rules that were like, nope, you're out, you're out, you're out, you're out. And it's this very elect, very elite group of people that have very, that they're rich because they can't be poor. If you don't have money, that's because Jesus doesn't love you. That's not true. That was a belief. Like you can't be sick because if you're sick, Jesus doesn't love you. You've got some moral sin there. Like, so there's this like shrinking, shrinking, shrinking population of people. But I think that again is Luke's emphasis of going, no, no, no. Jesus spent time with the outcast. He was with the sinners and the tax collectors and women and lepers. He showed compassion on what the religious elite would never dare, right? They would stay away and avoid like the plague. Jesus is going, no, 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 no. My kingdom is built on the outcast. He came for the outcast. And ultimately, what we see, the Jews reject Jesus as well. So Jesus himself was an outcast by their standards, by their morals, right? So Jesus came to minister to those that were cast off from society, that were cast off socially, morally, and those that felt far away from God. He came for those people. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah uh, what you were saying about, like, um, I just want to yeah. talk about when you said that Luke it does a, like, he's talking about, like, this road trip to, yeah. like, Jerusalem, to the cross. Sure. Um, I just wanted to like at least um, talk about like how for a hot second at least that yeah because you know Luke also wrote the book of Acts yep right so that it's interesting to see that it's fun to kind of like read them side by side because Luke like the gospel Luke is having point like narrowing to Jerusalem but then mm -hmm. Acts is kind of like then going out yeah, from Jerusalem sure sure so like I just I don't know, just when you said it, it just reminded me of that. It's like, yeah. it's just a... It, it very much is. And then I love yeah. that it's, when you look at specifically at Acts, like Luke is about the the investigation and the journalism, the yeah. sitting with and writing down. And then when you get to Acts, there's a certain point where it's about like the apostles and then it's we. Like yeah. So it's even Luke's now involved yeah. and engaged in this. Not yeah. only is he reporting the things that are happening, but he's doing the things yeah. and he's a part of what is yeah. happening. So, and I think it's a beautiful picture of how the kingdom of God grows in us to where we're part of what God is doing. And it may start small, but it continues to grow to where it's all consuming. Yeah. And then, um, so, yeah. So I, have, yeah, we're how okay. long are we on? We're, we're at uh, 38 Eight. minutes. Okay, sweet. Awesome. Um, so yeah, the, I just want to, there's two things you said that you said, um, in this podcast, but that you said, um, during the sermon that I really liked that I wrote them down actually, cause sure. I really liked them. It's like, you said every blessing should turn to praise yeah. and every blessing that doesn't turn to praise turns to pride. Sure. 
I just really like those quotes. I was yeah. like, well, I was listening to it. It's like, hot day. I never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. Those aren't my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I, that that was an Andy Stanley comment okay. or a reference that I had heard years ago. Okay. I don't know, 2012, 2011. But they were yeah. good enough that they yeah. stuck with me the same way of going, man, every blessing that doesn't turn to praise turns to pride. Yeah. And I'm going, oh. I'm, I'm guilty. Like, I'm so guilty. So I just, yeah. So honestly, if I'm being completely honest here, that's somebody that's probably a little bit smarter and wiser than I. Not probably, is smarter and wiser than I. But man, that that's convicting. So every blessing that doesn't turn to praise turns to pride. Yeah, I. so but with that, I just wanted to also like ask, like, do, like, is there more that you want to speak on like these voices or like around this topic of um, praise, blessing, turns to praise, like more that you want to talk about with that you know what i feel like the one thought that i i would have explored more had it been for time both in study but then also study uh, or doing on sunday morning um was how praise can literally be a weapon for us like i think that praise has a way Mm. of changing everything like with that even when nothing changes when we can take our minds and focus on being thankful and grateful for what God has done, it has a way of changing our entire perspective. Like, So I, I feel like if I had more time, I would have developed more of this thought and this idea that praise is an actual weapon that we can use to combat selfishness, to combat um, this uh, ingratitude. Like praise is something that when we can take our eyes off of us and place it on God and all of the great things that he's done, how it actually becomes a weapon for us to use in times where we feel overwhelmed and we feel like we can't make it or we feel upset and angry, like praise can ultimately be a weapon. So if I had time, I would have probably tried to explore that a little bit more. Um, But it was also, there was a lot going on in this passage. Like I felt like I wanted to kind of talk about the setup and walk through and get to this idea of gratitude. But even in that, like there's kind of two different levels of that. So praise uh, every blessing either turns to praise and pride. And then also the the other part of that, which we had talked about. Um, oh, sorry, dude. Sorry, dude. Um, I caught it. The, the other one was that uh, that busyness can produce ingratitude. Yes. Um, and the truth is that unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. And that was another, that's another Andy Stanley. Like it was the same message that I heard both of those. And I remember going, oh, man. Mm. I feel grateful, but if I don't express it, it doesn't exist. And I, even like the the illustration, like if you, you just sit down for dinner, you put all this work and this energy into it, or if it's something else, like if your kids eat it and then just run off, you're going to feel like they didn't care for it They because they didn't express that thanks. Now, they might be super thankful for it, like especially if they're rushing off to like basketball practice. They're going to be super thankful that they've got a full stomach and they're not trying to, you know, play this game or practice on an empty stomach but if it's unexpressed it doesn't exist so i think that that's that's two two parts of gratitude that i wanted to look at because i think as you look at the story again i can't show this in scripture but i think that these nine if you ask them hey are you thankful to jesus that he healed you they would have gushed they oh absolutely we're so glad that we can see our family and enter back into all of these different things yet they didn't communicate that and they didn't mm-hmm. express it so therefore it didn't exist yeah nice yeah 
This random side tangent real quick about Andy Stanley. So I, I read one of his books. Um, yeah. And, um, Which one? It was the communication one. Like the oh, dude, that's like, an old one. I haven't yeah. read that one yet. I have it, but I haven't read it. Yeah, yet. it's it's good. Like because yeah. well, like the first part like it's him just like explaining it, and the okay. second part it's like like someone else writes it, but okay. it's like a like it's a story embodying embodying those okay. values that he wrote. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, that, you, that one was like one of his original. Yeah, like, that it's was a, like a short one too. Think, it, you you can read it quick, but I just like I bring that up just because as I was reading it for class, I just noticed a, a type error in it. Like, a, <laughs> I I mentioned that in like the report I did for the that book. publishing I, house. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, by the way, I also noticed this about the book. On this page, there's yeah. this error. But you, anyways, you know that professor's like another one. <laughs> I know every it. year. Yeah, every year that's the one guy. I was that one guy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I I honestly have like probably like one or two more questions Great, for man. you. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll go for it, and if um, we're done, we'll be done. Yeah, sweet. But so you talked about that illustration with giving a child a gift, like either for the birthday, yeah, for Christmas, right. and like it was like, oh, I thought you like yeah. I thought so, and you, then you give it back. Yeah. Which I think I probably would want to react in the same way that yeah. you described. It's like, oh, pfft, heck, yeah, it's mine now. Yeah. But. How do you, how's that um, translate to a relationship with God then? Yeah. Like being like entitled or. So the uh, the illustration yeah. there and kind of illustrates the point. Like if you had a son or daughter, you gave a gift to, and if they came across as entitled, like, yeah, better have got me that gift. I've been asking for two months. Like really ingratitude turns off generosity. And that was kind of the point of going, like, if that happened to me, I'm going to go, oh, no, that's not your new video game system. That's mine. Your gift is you can watch me play it because you're ungrateful and you're entitled, right? Like, yeah. so it, being unappreciative really does turn off want, people wanting to be generous, right? Like, so, but the reverse of that is true yeah. of going when you are grateful and thankful and appreciative Man, that there's just something about it that there can be an increase of generosity. Now, I, I feel like to say that, I think that that's a great question yeah. that you're asking because I'm going, because I think that applies to human beings, right? Yeah. But yeah. what we see is that God is still generous yeah. even when we are ingrate, ungrateful, yeah. right? Like, Because in my mind, if I'm Jesus in this story and nine people don't come back, like, this is how terrible is this? Well, then nine people wouldn't be healed, only one. <laughs> Right? Like, Jesus doesn't do that. I believe that these men were fully healed and fully restored. Only one of them spiritually healed and restored. But these 10 men experienced something incredible, life-changing and life-altering. One, even more so than the rest. But in my mind, I'm going, I'm going to take back that because you weren't, you weren't grateful. Like, you didn't care, so I'm going to take that back. But I think when we look at generosity, the generosity of God is yeah. is deeper than anything I think that I can even, even try and explain or even fathom. I think that God's generosity is, well, it's second to nothing, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he sent his son to die on a cross for you. Even if you were the only person, he would have sent his son just for you. Like, Wrap your mind around that. Like, yeah. even if you don't want him, he still sent his son to die for you. I don't know how to quantify or to calculate that type of love. Like, his generosity, the generosity of God the Father, is unlike human generosity. So, 
I don't know what that means and what that looks like when we're trying to communicate about the generosity of God, because like I said, it's, I can't, I can't quantify that. Like God's generosity is unlike human generosity. But what we can see is that when you're not grateful, when you're not thankful, it it has a way of kind of turning off generosity, right? Like we all probably have experienced that. Like if, if you're giving to a charity and you're like, dude, they don't even like, I don't even know if my money's making a difference. Like, I don't know if they care. I don't know if they need the money. Like you start to have these questions and doubts. Well, maybe some of you do. Maybe some of you don't. Like if you don't, that's awesome. But you can start to wonder, like, I don't even know if it matters. Like they don't even say thank you. Like it has a way of just turning off generosity. So it it reminds me like of how John waits in his um, gospel, the, how he could, um, to write down every miracle that Jesus performed would yeah right all those books will fill the world right right I feel like with like if you we were to write if every single one of us will write down every single thing we're thankful for about right. God or how God is working on life yeah. and that we should be thanking God for those books would be endless upon endless upon yeah. endless yeah. and a new book would be written every day yeah. I did, as you were just saying that, I did have a, a thought came to mind. Somebody had asked me a question after the message on Sunday. Uh, and I thought it was a great question of just trying to understand, like, um, how do you do that? Because I think the reality is, is that if we are stuck in a pattern or we're stuck in a way of viewing things, sometimes it can be hard to identify and to recognize the things that we can and should be, uh, like, grateful for. And I think... I think that this is where practice makes perfect, right? Yeah. So I think that as we start to practice being uh, like grateful, then it becomes easier. But I don't think that it's always easy. And I do feel like in the conversation that I had on Sunday with this this one individual, I feel like I think that this is one of those times where if you've ever heard the, I think it's Pentecostal, but the, that old school saying, sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. <laughs> I do think that this might be an area where you got to fake it till you make it, where you're, if you're not truly generous and thankful, you still work through the practice of trying to recall and to think what you're actually grateful for. And in doing so, things start to change. Like, man, am I grateful for my health? Yeah, but I said that yesterday. Well, okay, be grateful for your health and really think about that. Like, am I grateful for my son? Am I grateful for my daughter? Am I grateful for my dog, my cat, my my ability to have a job? Am I grateful for a roof over my head? There's so much that you can start to do. But I do think that when you first try and list out, depending on where your perspective is, it can be really challenging and difficult to try and list all of those things. So I would say stick at it. Stick with that practice or that discipline of kind of working through and thinking through what am I grateful for? What am I thankful for? And in doing so, you will strengthen a muscle that you didn't know you had. And eventually, as you strengthen any muscle, it gets stronger and stronger as time grows. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage you to just start, even if it's small, even if you feel like you're repeating the same thing over and over, great. Keep flexing, keep exercising that muscle and watch it grow. Uh, So my last question actually was going to be... Okay. Um... If what was one thing you would want people to walk away sure. with, but I'm guessing is that it, or did you have something else in mind? I, I feel like it's. I mean, obviously, I spent time working. Like it's all of this. Like I think this idea of gratitude is so important. And and if I'm being honest, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, what I just said honest like three <laughs> times. Like if I'm being honest, I'll be honest. Um, this was a, a bit of a hard message for me because I'm in a season where I am very busy. 
right? Like I am kind of going from thing to thing and I, I kind of briefly talked about it on Sunday, but busyness can create this this place, especially for me, where I don't pause to thank God for what he's done. I just go from thing to thing to thing to thing to event. Yes, I'm grateful for what God has done, but I haven't taken time to express it. And so if I'm being completely honest, as I sat down, as I wrote this message out, as uh, I preached it even on Sunday, there was this bit of going, God, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I feel like I'm in a season where I am not expressing thanks the way that I should be. And I don't know, I'm kind of hoping that this is an encouragement to you and also a little bit of a confession on me of going, Mm -hmm. I have got so much more to learn about and ways to grow in my faith, specifically in gratitude, specifically in tough and challenging seasons in that, right? Like it's easy to give God praise and thanks when things are going well and you're super happy and there's puppies and rainbows everywhere. Like, but it's another thing when things are difficult and challenging and trying for you to give thanks. And I think that that's when we can actually do that, give thanks in the difficult seasons, that is when God is glorified most in us. When the world can look at us and go, man, they have every reason to be upset, yet they're not upset. They are grateful and they're thankful. Mm. There's something that is attractive in that. There's something that makes the world go, man, I want what that person has. And so uh, I guess it's just kind of an encouragement for you to wherever you're at to just go for it. It's a little bit of a confession on my part of going, man, it's just a season of busyness and I I don't feel like I'm as grateful as what I should be. So my challenge for everyone, for you and for me, is to try and slow down. <laughs> to slow down, especially as we get into the into December. Tomorrow's December 1st, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah, Today's the 30th. Yeah. So tomorrow's December 1st. Slow down in this season and truly pause and to think and reflect on every blessing that God has given you and allow those blessings to turn to praise, not pride. Mm. So I feel like that would be my encouragement to to everyone that's listening um, is that you would just try and live in that place of gratitude. And as you do, I think that you experience more of the life that God has for you and you can experience that true salvation. Uh, that was, uh, I did want to kind of re-hit that, that word. And if I'm saying this wrong, I probably am. But, but that, uh, that word in, in chapter 17, verse 19, Jesus said, and he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. That word well means to save. Your faith has made you well or your faith has saved you is maybe another translation. Mm -hmm. That word saved properly means to deliver out of danger and into safety. It's used primarily to reflect of God's rescuing believers from the penalty and the power of sin and into his provision. So my hope for you is that you would be able to experience God's goodness, his blessing, to praise him, to thank him. And in doing so, you will experience his salvation from the penalty and the power of sin and into his uh, into his provisions and safety. So I think that that's probably the last that I had. Um, I do want to say, dude, thank you so much for being here. I uh, really appreciate his time. He doesn't have to be here. He's not, you know, on staff with us. He's not on staff at another church. Yeah. So tell your church <laughs> I said thank you for that as well. They send them a God. Unless they don't know, <laughs> then don't tell them. No, don't. Maybe you should. Okay. <laughs> it's a secret.
Anyway, so thank you guys so much for coming us uh, coming again. Thank you, Mark, for, for being here. Really appreciate the, the dialogue. Thank you guys for listening. Again, if you have any questions, we are always open and interested in any of your questions. You can email us, whether it's about a past message, a future, you know, something that you're just working through, or even a future series or whatever. Feel free to submit your questions. You can do that at overtime at clcfamily.church, or you can jump on live. You can do that live. You can also text the church at 610-869-2140. That's pretty much all the time we have. We will be back next week as we continue in our, uh, as we start, I should say, our brand new series that we're calling Christmas Checklist. So again, thanks for coming, everybody. Do you have anything you want to say? Nah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Have, have a, a great one. week.